French president, and here you are sitting in this vast room. It's kind of, kind of crowded. Uh, so something may have come here. That was the title of the flyer that James came up with. And what's the title again? <laughs> what is that? Ending war in our lifetime. Uh, I don't know if James told you how this topic came about. Uh, we were at uh, a friend of ours for a holiday dinner. And after the dinner, we sat, we sat around the table and we started to talk about Dharma. Uh, I think James was debating with someone. And somehow, statistics uh, came about, politics came about. And I have to say, for a very long time, I've been a very good Buddhist. Uh, good in the sense that uh, I thought that you must avoid uh, politics as to be a good Buddhist. You shouldn't talk about it. It's like a taboo. So for a long time, I avoided talking about politics. <coughs> but somehow, lately, I found myself thinking about politics a lot. I found myself talking about it a lot. And I'm referring, recording back. Uh, wait a minute. Am I, doing, am I being a good Buddhist still? <laughs> Did I lose something somehow? What is it about the power? What is, what is going on in the world that's making me now, that's forced, that seems to force me to think about politics? Uh, I guess in our time, in our generation, we are forced with uh, something that our fathers were forced with and their fathers were forced with. But I think we were a bit deceived, our generation. Deceived in the sense that it seems, at least maybe I was deceived. It seems to me that, ah, I am the generation who will not see war. World War I was in history books, World War II was in history books, and those things were devastating, a lot of lives were lost, a lot of uh, damages were done to the planet, to, the, to humanity, to humanity. So, in my mind, I thought, ah, we finally, I think we learned our lesson. We've learned that this thing just doesn't work. You, you feel threatened, you feel, you feel the need to have security, so you go to this old tradition of build your army, attack your neighbor, then you would have security. Then you would have prosperity. And I don't know if anyone has been to that country. So far, I have not heard of, I have not been, I have not been to three places, but I have not been to a country that says, oh, we did war and we were successful with our prosperous God. We've been prosperous for two, four thousand years. We, we, we apply the principle perfectly. And we are successful at it because we engage in war and then we defeated our enemies. Now we have no more enemies. <laughs> I don't think I've heard of any country that can make that claim. But almost every country is a, is a, is a cycle, is a, um, what's that? It's, it's a recycle of what was, what, was, what was there before. There was a civilization there, it prospered, 
They did what they were supposed to do, and then they got conquered by someone else, and then that someone else took over that land, took over that country, they prospered, maybe did not, and then they got conquered, and keeps going on over and over and over again. So if you came to this uh, talk with a, with a title like that, Ending War in Our Time, you're either crazy, <laughs> or there's a level of faith within you that, that makes you think that maybe it's possible. Maybe it's possible to end war in our time. And let's examine this tonight. Is it possible to end war in our time? So what would be a time when there is no war? What is that time like? What's happening? Are we preparing for war? <laughs> Can you imagine a time without war? Can you imagine it? I mean, can you actually picture it in your mind? Can you visualize it? Well, actually, I think it begins with that. You have to have faith that it's possible. You have to have not just faith. I would say, we use a stronger word. You must have conviction, an unshakable conviction that it is possible to end war in our time. And uh, I may use, unfortunately, some metaphors using war to talk against war, but forgive me, okay? It's just that, well, I've been brainwashed to think that way. <laughs> So, is there a war, some magical war, that ends all wars? How do we achieve that end of war? Do we have to engage in a battle where we completely slaughter every single enemy? We do that. Now, we have to examine what that means, and we have to, to define what it means to the war that ends all war. What is, what is that war that ends all war? I know, well, I strongly believe that there's a level of conviction within you about the power of what you might call spirituality. You know, those ideals that almost every civilization or every individual strives after. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's codified or uh, uh, listed in some religion or not, but some ideals that we consider to be lofty, that we consider to be uh, ideals that we should strive for, that we should em emulate, there's a level of conviction within you about those ideals. How deep is your conviction in those ideals? That level of conviction depends on another kind of conviction, on a, on a law. And I would say that everyone, from the time that you were a baby, you don't have to be, you don't, you don't have to be some genius somewhere, to believe that results 
comes from orders. And it sounds sound very simple. Oh, I, I came all the way here, I think they have found out for this. This is guy telling me. This is a profound thing that the results come from causes. You have, you have a, a degree of conviction in that. And that's the reason that you behave, that's the reason that you do things. Because you know that you're going to get a result from it. So that level of conviction is already there. But sometimes that conviction is messed with. Something messes around with that conviction. It makes us doubt. Is it true that results come from causes? Or, and put it this way, if I want a result, that there's a definite cause for that result? Or are there certain results that, are, that exist only in imagination, that exist only as a fantasy? Like peace, for example. The end of war, for example. Maybe that's just an imaginary thing that we can... It's an ever for... It's, it's an ever wishing for something. Something that you can never actually have, but you can continue to wish for it forever and exists. For as long as beings exist on this planet, they can continue to wish for it, but that's all. That's the only reality they could ever have, a wish. Sometimes we encounter things when we engage in an activity, we expect a certain result, and we are disappointed, we don't get the result that we want, and that causes this doubt. But still, we act anyway. Then we entertain such thoughts as, oh, it's all random. There are results, but results don't have specific causes. And yet, we contradict ourselves again. Even when we make these kinds of uh, momentary, convict, momentary convictions, we still act expecting specific results. So there's a level of conviction about causes and results that is somewhat, not entirely, uh, that can be entirely removed from, from our convictions. And it is from this level of conviction that you have to move forward. Now, how deep is that conviction? How unshakable is that conviction? And it's a very simple, very simple rule. Light brings about like. If you plant an apple seed, you will get an apple tree. You cannot plant an apple seed and expect to have, I don't know, chicken legs. You <laughs> 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 were expecting to say, yeah, lemon or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you can plant an apple seed and expect to get lemons out of it, and you get lemons, you might as well get chicken. You might as well plant an apple seed and then get a house, get a mansion. <laughs> it's arbitrary anyway, right? doesn't bring about specific results. But we know it's ridiculous to expect a result from, from a cause where the result has no relationship with the cause. We know that's ridiculous. So if we are aspiring for something, so we must, we must begin to place in action the causes that are similar to the result that we want. And unfortunately, we've been so poisoned, so deluded, that we contradict this very 
conviction that we already have. I want peace. I want no enemy. Right? That's the result we want. Peace. No enemy. And what is the cause that we enact so we can get peace? No enemy? You create war. War is what? The presence of peace? The spreading of peace? Going around with guns and then throwing zots uh, of love at people? people. <laughs> we, go, we, go, we go into a country and then we make sure everybody's happy? We go there with the intention that where we go to, we bring misery. That's the result that we are expecting to have with our actions. And yet we expect to have another kind of result where we get peace. We go over there, we create, we create, we create chaos. We go over there, we, we bring misery. And then we expect out of that cause a completely unrelated result, peace, happiness. I'm not sure if, if I uh, quoted this uh, in one of the earlier sutras uh, where there was this, uh, I think it was uh, a warrior, somebody from, from the warrior class around the time of the Buddha. He came to ask the Buddha a question about, uh, uh, you know, there's a saying that's been going around that when a warrior enters the battle, and because the warrior is of noble, is, you know, is noble, is doing a noble deed, is fighting a just war or something like that, and if one is engaging in the enemy and he gets killed, he goes into this kind of heaven that warriors go to, a heaven where warriors go to, and then. I paraphrase, it's not exactly, it's not the exact line, but uh, it's something like that. And the Buddha refused to answer the question. He was going to, is this true or not? Is it true that this all, is this all saying true? That when a warrior engages in battle, because he's a warrior, a noble being, engages in battle, if he die, if he happens to die in the battle, <coughs> does he go to go to heaven just for those kind of warriors? He asks the Buddha the question, the Buddha refuses, the Buddha says, please don't answer that question. And then he insisted, he kept asking the Buddha the question. And the Buddha kept insisting, I told you, please don't ask me that question. You don't want to hear, you don't really want to know the answer. And finally, because of his insistence, because he said, okay, I warned you. But you kept on asking, okay, I'll tell you the answer. And the Buddha didn't say yes or no, just outright like that. The Buddha said, examine exactly the very question that you're asking. Somebody goes into battle, what's his intention? What is it that he wants to do when he engages in battle? When he sees the enemy, does he say, oh, wait right there, we get some flowers for you? <laughs> What's his intention with, with, with what he does with enemy? May I destroy him? May I cause him pain? May I chop his head off? If you want to be a bit more <laughs> And and the Buddha says, what do you expect from having such an intention? 
If that is your intention, and you are about to act out of, intent, out, of that, out of that intention, you're about to act. You're going to say you acted out of that intention, but you're completely committed to it. You're committed. I'm going over there, I'm going to kill a few people. The Buddha said, then, because that was your intention, and you were in the, uh, about to, you were in the possible, uh, about to act upon that intention, if you were killed before you were an act, then the person who acted that way had wronged you from the very beginning. And wronged you cannot give you anything of benefit to you. It cannot give you a happy, a happy result. It has to be a result appropriate to the whole. When someone has evil intentions, the result they get is an evil kind of result. They suffer. They suffer the same way that they were intending for that person to suffer. And even worse, like you know, a seed is about, you know, you can keep a seed in, in the palm of your hand and close it. But the result is not something you can just necessarily hold in your hands. The result, from your own experience, is usually bigger than the cause. So if you just had that intention and you were completely committed to it, and your intention was to bring about harm, then the result would be that you get harmed. And this is very simple. And it is so simple that we have uh, systems of justice where we believe that's what should happen. If someone harms, and that, then, then, then the justice system should harm that person. We believe that's what should, that's what should happen. I'm not saying the justice system is completely okay. I'm saying that we have already this level of conviction. So it's not something that you have to go to Timbuktu and un, you know, unearth some manuscript written by some bright being in order for another to, to, to notice. This is something that, that you, you know it's to a baby. First, if you were a baby, you knew that in order to get a result, you have to put a cause into it. If you were hungry, what did you do? You cried. Why did you cry? Because you thought that's a cause to get a result. What's the result? I want to be fed. Okay, what do I do? What, if, if I want the result, I want to be fed. Should I just, I don't know, go, into a go to a cave and meditate? <laughs> Should I, uh, you know, go to an expedition and find some scripture somewhere that uh, tells me how to do it? Or should I just sit and wish for it? I have to do something appropriate to get, to get me the, the result. So even as babies, we have this conviction already. To get a result, we need to put the cause into effect. And we have examples in our own world, in our own experiences, how the result has to be very similar to the cause. And if someone were to, uh, uh, were to sell you some seeds that tell you, oh, and uh, looks very much like uh, any regular seed to you, uh, maybe uh, you know apple seed, what apple seed is like, almost regular apple seed. Or if somebody give you uh, some seed that looks very much like apples, just like apple seed, and they tell you, oh, if you plant this, you get, uh, um, you get, uh, you get, you get gold. 
Okay. Let me see then you get called out. You get called coins and you're printed with the king's face on it. And you think this person is crazy. But because sometimes we are uh, affected by the doubt about results and causes because of the experiences that we had, because of the, mis- the way we misunderstand two things coming in, uh, two things happening simultaneously, we think, oh, they must be related as cause and effect. And that's when that's we that's when we go wrong. That's when we get our delusion. That's when the doubt, seed of doubt is planted. Two things happen, like you have a nice dean, you have a lady across the street, and then when you get to the end of the, when you get to the other side of the street, somebody mugs you because your attention was distracted, maybe. And that's the that's what you would say because my attention was distracted by the of lady because of that I got mugged. I should never help, help all ladies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because those things seem to have happened, that they happen uh, uh, next to each other. We wrongly think that one is the cause of the other. And by now, some of you probably think, oh, definitely that's not the He getting mugged is not the, is not the result of having that lady. But some of us doubt whether or not they're not, they're not causing effect. And it is this moment of doubt where we are shaking, where we actually, when you say that, what we are actually saying is, yes, plant an apple seed and you can get chicken wings. Or any fried. I don't know what I'm thinking, but I don't know what I'm saying, chicken wings. I don't know chicken wings. <laughs> 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 so, you, when you say that, when you say, I got mugged because I was helping this lady, and you were saying it as a cause and a result in a relationship, that helping all ladies result in getting mugged. And that's saying it in a way that to exaggerate. But what we really say is, and I'm sure we've had many occasions where we say this, be nice, get you in trouble. That's what you really say. But I'm exaggerating. And you're convinced about that. Being nice is get you in trouble. It's okay. Sometimes. Doesn't get you in trouble all the time, but gets you in trouble sometimes. Sometimes you tell the practicing, you do get <laughs> it has to be, you know, the universe is crossing, you know, uh, some wall in the, in the universe, some space, you know, some hole, some black hole, and all worlds, you know, get skewed that way. Maybe the chicken uh, black hole something. <laughs> And I'm saying something that is very simple, something that you already have some level of conviction. And I'm asking you to re-examine this conviction. Go back and examine it. And when you do a good deed, when you help that lady across the street, and you do get mugged, don't immediately say, 
This happened because I was having this all day. Even though that may not be what you buy as your, as your view in, in the world, but at that moment when you make that conviction, it stains the mind. And when it stains the mind, it will, it will, it will leave space for it to stain the mind again in the same way. And these things will add up. They will add up to the point where we will say, this is a good war. We are right to go and destroy those people over there. And that will give us the result of peace. Now, talking about war, when I think of what can I do to stop war in my time, I think of it as being completely impossible. That's what I think. That's my level of conviction. But at the same time, when I examine this conviction, I see that, ah, this is a sign that I don't have conviction in the laws of cause and effect. Of course, if I continue to have this conviction, it's impossible to do. I'm not going to try to find out what I can do to bring about this result called peace, no more war. So I have to change that conviction. And that conviction has to go back to specific causes bring about specific results. If there is a result that you want, all you have to do is find causes for it. And it's very simple. The result must have some degree of similarity with the cause. And that's it. And, and, and go on from there. Uh, of course, you've heard, you, you, you've uh, been to many uh, lectures by very great spiritual teachers, and then they usually, they usually tell you, if you want to stop war, if you want to stop violence in the world, what do you do? Um, you do those two things. Many times. Many teachers. What's that? Yeah, you, you, put, you, you bring, uh, you stop the violence here first. And you've heard that those teachers before, and you say, oh, those are beautiful. But in your mind you're saying, in a perfect world, yes. <laughs> yes, in a perfect world, where if there's nobody going to attack me, then I'll have that kind of attitude. It's very beautiful when you print it, it's so beautiful for me. <laughs> it's so nice to think about, oh. But as far as real life situation, we are, we are convinced it is impractical. If you are under threat, the only cause that will bring about peace is which one you attack first. That's our level of conviction. Now, how long have humanity been on this planet? At least 100 years? <laughs> Maybe a few thousand years. Some people will disagree whether it's millions, but we agree at least we agree a few thousand years. Civilization has been on this planet. 
Can you think, again I'm asking the same question I asked earlier, when did that work? When did it work? So what makes us think that we somehow are we are of the generation who's going to make it work? Generations, generations and generations in the past have tried to make that work. Why? If you should threaten, attack first, then you find peace. And we think we are the generation who know how to do it. Just like when I used to think, until you know, old age started to come in. When I, when I seemed to be uh, forever youthful, and I used to think that ah, old age and death, that's for silly people. They just don't know how to live properly. That's why they're getting old, that's why they're about to die. That's why they die. So, in the same way, I'm thinking, I'm, I know how to live properly so that I don't live, so I don't have to age or to die. So, in the same way, I know how to have war so that at the end I really get peace. I'm the generation, I'm, I'm the genius generation. We got iPods, we got iPads. <laughs> I mean, we're so great. We can communicate to somebody on the other side of the planet in a second. And we're geniuses. Of course, we know how to have war and get the real result peace. If you do both, most of your nation's wealth to stacking weapons, then you'll be protected. No one will attack you. It's proven. <laughs> by all the generations of civilizations that have been before. That's how they did. I don't know where they are right now, but that's how they did. <laughs> And it's interesting how you prepare a defense against, for example, uh, missiles, and then you get attacked with a non-missile. <laughs> then you create another defense for a non-missile, and you get attacked again. So perhaps it's time for us to rethink. It's time for us to rethink. Rethink these convictions. And we, you know, you're the Bashala, we all say we're peaceful people. We don't do any major war acts and that we're against war, we talk against it. We refuse to pay taxes <laughs> for that. And we even go to jail because we're against war. If I can get my hands on that general instead of the war, I'll be up to that. <laughs> <laughs> they can stop me having wars now. Maybe we should incarcerate and beat them up. Then we'll stop wars. Now, when the person in the crowded place shoves you by accident, what's, what's the immediate thought that comes across your mind? You think. Wait, you run to the store to get some flowers. <laughs> Thanks for grabbing my attention. <laughs> oh, 
that we carry on in our minds and that till conviction by carrying it by the nature of having that conviction that conviction you could say its purpose is to bring destruction to us is to cause us misery is to cause us pain that's what it, that's what its nature is how are we to expect that we can rely on this very thing to bring us something completely different <coughs>
Oui, qui t'a mal. The result that you get, or the result that you think you're going to get, has nothing to do with what you what you actually doing for the existence of that intention. So you engage in action with that intention. That intention will create a world or will create a perception that will force you to engage in an action that will make sure that intention survives. Now, those who have acted out of that intention so far, are they in Nirvana? Do you know of an art who achieved Nirvana, who achieved true peace? It was called, you know, peace, you know, the real deal peace. Okay. An art. Do you know an art who achieved peace in that one miraculous day when apple seed gave rise to chicken wings? <laughs> They had the intention to harm someone, acted out of that intention, and then you got Nirvana out of it. But do you know of someone who's not in Nirvana, who is in a place where they're always complaining about this and that, my back, my body, my environment, oh, my mind, you exist in a world like that, where they took, you know someone, where they took, where they took advice from that intention and they acted out of it. Do you know someone like that? So that intention perpetuates the conditions for that intention to survive, and that condition we call it samsara. The condition where you're forced to have a body and mind that experiences pain. A condition where you're forced to exist in such a way where your very nature is, is, has to experience pain. That sums up. So we know of many examples of people who have that kind of condition of existing who depended on that intention. And that intention didn't suddenly uh, go out of existence. All right. Here's where everything is on the internet. Okay. <laughs> I started out saying, I started out this morning, I said that uh, you all been through teachings. You've heard uh, many spiritual teachers talk about how to end violence in the world. And then they say that you have to begin with yourself. And then we, at that moment, we take the beautiful thing to say, the beautiful thing to hear, and we go and we'll talk about it, we we'll go to parties, we believe that beautiful thing that the teacher said, and then we we'll talk about it, we we'll talk about it, we we'll talk about it. We we'll talk about it, we we'll think about it, we we'll talk about it, we we'll think about it. <laughs> but when it comes to acting, it goes out the window. Because of that conviction that we already have. 
do we get from talking about it, thinking about it, to actually placing it in action? Now, I, I hope that you're already convinced, I think you, you have some degree of conviction, that what has been used so far in the, back, in, in the past hasn't been working. Our forefathers didn't give us the demand by going to war for us. I don't think we're gonna, we cannot expect that we're going to give our, our, our children the Iran by going to war now. It hasn't worked. It's not going to work. So maybe we should start another approach. So, what is behind all this going to war, bring uh, uh, being or there? Is that intention? We have to renounce that intention. And believe it or not, that's all with that, that's half of renunciation. So you didn't have to go to a cave, you didn't have to uh, give all your worldly possessions behind for you to develop renunciation. Just give up that intention. And what will help you to, to hold on to that intention once you start developing it? I see that word developing. It doesn't come just from tonight, you hear it, and then, and then it, it, it's there in your mind. Powerful. It's a cultivation. You have to cultivate. Every once in a while, you have to tell yourself, light, bring about lights. If I want peace, I have to bring about a, a, a peaceful, I have to be, the has to be peaceful. We have to stop relying on this thing that just doesn't work. And you have to convince yourself through cultivation. And, you have to, and it's not brainwashing yourself. There's something interesting about the mind that if you force it to accept something that it's not ready to accept, even if it appears to accept it, eventually it will drop it. And that's one of the things I find to be very sad about people on the, the spiritual path. That they enter with conviction, with seeming conviction, with zeal, but they're forcing it upon themselves. And because they're acting out of forced uh, uh, intentions, eventually they drop it altogether. Or worse, they remain and being completely depressed. What are you practicing? I'm practicing
you know, here's a dollar, got my way. To sincerely convince yourself that level, that conviction that brought, that level of conviction that brought you here in the first place, that made you start your search, that spark that brought you, that brought you to the path, you have to continue to kindle it. You have to continue to fan it. You have to continue until it becomes a blazing, roaring fire. And it doesn't become a blazing, roaring fire just by itself without any causes. And you have to look, really, realistically look into things. Try to find a country where it actually works. Where by destroying your enemies, then that, 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 that country is now in peace. And they've been enjoying peace for thousands of years. Everything is wonderful there, they have prosperity. As soon as somebody even look at them, they lose all intentions to, uh, to harm them. When you look away, they might think, oh, I'm going to kill that guy. Oh, maybe that one, that's gone. It would be nice for me. But if you can find one, please tell me about it. But sincerely look, sincerely look, there's a, convic- there's a level of conviction that you have that we have to undermine that conviction. And after you, you undermine that conviction, then you have to start to cultivate the opposite of that. Of, of, of opposite of that. What's the, what, what would be the opposite of the intention to harm? A sincere intention to be happy. And in some circles, that sounds like, oh, I'm going to be a sucker. We're going to be a fool, we're going to be a doormat. That's what spirituality is all about. Being a doormat. And the only reason that we, we might even consider that is because we already are convinced that there are times when the apple seed gives you chicken wings. We believe that there are times when you hold on to that intention to harm and you act out of that intention that actually destroys that intention. There are times when the intention to harm destroys itself. And that would be a biological impossibility. Forget about philosophical impossibility. Alright, I have some more stuff to say, but I think uh, I'm hearing your knees. <laughs> some of you are shouting at me. Wait a minute, shut up. So, give your knees a break, stretch your stretch your legs, and then we'll come back. Okay, have some water. Maybe you go to the bathroom. Get the other one. intention to do this. It's 
I can't get away with it. <laughs> and believe it or not, it appeared that I got away with it a few times. And now, the world is not that way anymore. I can't say that the world seems to be protecting me. And I can't say that, like, uh, I, used, I remember, I mean, I was a very inquisitive child. I always wanted to test out what people told me. I was told that the world is dangerous. I wanted to see whether or not it was dangerous. I would go into bad neighborhoods. And people were nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I never, I, what they call a bad neighborhood was simply a, a place that needed better decoration. <laughs> <laughs> but now, I'm afraid of walking in certain neighborhoods and not everybody believes me anymore, not everything that I say. Sometimes I tell the truth and people don't believe me. And I experience telling the same, telling a truth to someone and I'm completely uh, not believed and someone else tells the same truth and they're believe. So, something happened between Something happened where the world I was experiencing growing up as a child and the world that I now experience, something happened where it, it appears to be this way. So, that little boy connected to my continuum, I'm, pr I'm, uh, I'm proud of him. Because for a very long time, he held on to a conviction. He held on to a conviction that right can only bring about right. Wrong can only bring about wrong. And no matter what appeared to him, he held on to that conviction. But that boy became inf uh, infected and he became a diseased adult. Poisoned adult. Who's now struggling to be back that, to be that little boy again. And I, and, and I think that for me, spirituality, for me to, when I uh, evolve spiritually, it will be for me to be that boy again. And I think I share that with a lot of people. Uh, part of my circumstances were that I was raised in a, in a, in a household where I saw my mother being outwardly compassionate. My mother wasn't just wasn't just someone who talked about compassion. My mother was someone who actually went out. I mean, uh, my mother used to kick us out of the house. And I'm just exaggerating because as a child, see that's what it looked like. <laughs> so let strangers in who lost their home. And she wasn't afraid that, you know, these are strangers, they're going to rob her house, they're going to rob her. She, she didn't believe that out of that act of kindness, there was going to be some sort of uh, pain for her. And I think it was because of her example, I was able to hold on uh, to that conviction a little bit longer. And I was also very, very lucky to have uh, my mother uh, left eventually and then 
I was uh, we were left with, uh, with my mother's sister to take care of us. And my mother's sister also, I think she was a big, I never heard of the word karma until college age. Well, about to go to college. <laughs> but I, I think it was my aunt who taught me karma. And then again, reinforcing that right can only bring about right. Wrong can only bring about wrong. So, what I think we all share, you all share with that little boy back then, is that at some point in your life, you had that conviction. And then, unfortunately, as, as, as we keep hearing, life happens. And then we start to, that convict, start to lose that conviction. And then we go out looking for someone or something to help us gain that conviction. Because it seems to have brought us a lot of peace. It seems to have been, it seems to have brought us a lot of uh, a sense of contentment. Where we were, where we were going to have the fever of keep looking, 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 looking for something. So, I would like for you to go back to that conviction here. I would like for you to find a method of finding that conviction. That conviction that you have that it is possible to have, to develop those ideals, it is possible for peace, for you to live in a world where there is peace. Where it's possible for you to live in a world where the the major the, the major portion of the wealth of the country is for compassionate uh, activities, is for loving activities. It is possible, and you have that conviction, but because we keep encountering situations that seems to tell us it's impossible, we start to believe that it's impossible. Until perhaps maybe we are completely lost, we think it's absolutely impossible. It's every person for himself or herself. And to get back to that conviction, we have to Go and deliberately tell ourselves. We have to deliberately say the words, wishing others to be happy. And we have to, we have to make, we have to make this into a conscious effort. And we can't wait for the world to be nice to us, for us to be nice back to the world. We have to initiate the act. We have to initiate the act. And when you are initiating this, the action, hold on to the conviction. There is absolutely no way that by acting nice is going to bring about pain. No matter what the appearance may be, and of course this is samsara, the condition of suffering, <coughs> I'm going to present something to you to bring about its end. It's going to present something to you to continue it. 
So don't believe what it brings you. Don't believe what it shows you as being the result of things. Those are deceptive. Hold on to that conviction. And when you feel that it is wrong and you're convinced that it is wrong, don't let that wonderful, that wonderful, noble intention be undermined by the intention to harm. You know, when you have, you have this wonderful intention, oh, there's suffering over there. The suffering is caused by these people. The compassion you have for those people over there, that's beautiful. And you should act in whatever capacity that you can act. And don't for one second believe that just having the intention to remove suffering is not enough. That's where it begins, and that's what empowers those activities later on. If all you can have is the intention, have it as strongly as you can. So when you have this wonderful, sublime, divine intention to bring peace somewhere, to remove suffering from somewhere, and then you're looking for what is the cause of that, and then Samsara tells you, oh, there's the cause, don't believe Samsara. Or it's caused by those people. And this beautiful intention that you have is undermined and then instead of focusing on removing the suffering, now you're focusing on bringing pain. Or if I bring pain over there, then there will be no pain over here. These over here deserve pain. Don't let this beautiful intention be undermined by such people. It is, it, it is perfectly beautiful for you to feel uh, the emotion of, out, of being outraged when you see injustice. It's a beautiful emotion. But don't let this beautiful emotion be undermined. Continue with that emotion towards everyone involved in injustice. In the one who is the victim of it, I would say the one who is the direct victim of it, and the one who is the indirect victim of it, the one who is instigated. You have to look at both of these as enmeshed together in an activity called injustice. And your compassion must go out to all of that in who is involved. And when you hold that person back from harming someone else, hold that person with the intention, I wish this person could be happy. Whatever pain or suffering that is causing this person to behave in this unnatural way, may this person be free of it. Because only pain causes someone to behave in such a way where they bring pain to someone else. They are overtaken. They are conquered. They are overwhelmed by a disease. They are sick. And it's this very disease that is trying to, to infect us. 
when does it, when does it find it a door? In those very small moments, when we have a tiny moment of conviction, being nice doesn't work all the time. When someone bumps you, you wish they get bumped in return. When someone cuts in front of you in the line, you take a step on their toes. I will teach them how we can not step in front of anyone. <laughs> and then look at yourself as an example. <coughs> the the self that you're aspiring to, to to become, and the natural self. By natural self, I'm not talking about uh, deep philosophy here. I'm talking about the common self that everybody. And remember, I'm not talking about deep philosophy. I'm not talking about uh, you know some <coughs> self that really some. Deep person, you can the way we experience ourselves in the natural, calm way. If someone steps on your toe and your natural reaction is to step back on their toes, how do you think that if you step on their toes, your natural, natural reaction is to step back on your toes? <laughs> Even if in your mind you think, I am right, they are wrong. If your natural reaction is my toes were stepped on, I should step on the toe of the one who stepped on me. And I should do it in such a way that perhaps a bit more forceful than they did on me. So they really learned their lesson. So they will not step on someone else's toe. If your natural reaction of having your toe stepped on is to step on the toe, how do you expect when you step on someone's toe, their natural reaction will not be to step on toe. Okay. So don't let these kind of thoughts undermine these beautiful, divine intentions that you, you have at times. Keep them as pure as, as, the, as when they first appear. And then when you get into the habit, of doing that, when you feel compassion, throw it out to everyone. Don't discriminate. When you feel moments of love, throw it out to everyone. Don't discriminate. Then eventually, then eventually, then you will not you will not be in danger of having this beautiful, wonderful attention be undermined, be uh strong word, but I don't want to use that one word that's so big in the media days, but I might use it, hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want those wonderful intentions to be hijacked, sorry, I think they don't need another word, <laughs> to be hijacked. <laughs> and when it's hijacked, what happens? You think that you're carrying out this wonderful intention, but you lost it a long time ago. Because now your intention is you're looking at a sentient being, another suffering being, a a sick, poisoned sentient being, and you have it, and you're directing towards that sentient being the intention to harm. That's what you're holding onto at that moment. That beautiful intention you had before is lost. You think you have holding onto it, but you're not you're not holding onto it anymore. That's why there cannot be such a thing as a righteous anger. And this is not to say it's wrong 
for you to feel a strong emotion when you see injustice and a strong urge to do something about it. You should do something about it. And that brings us to Lula and the war in our time. You see war. You examine it. You convince yourself of what the real result of it will be. Look at the result, the temporary result that it brings. Look at the ultimate result that it brings. When you go out and you uh, army slaughters a village, that's not the that's not the only result of that action. That action, that the real result of that action is to come later. So when we look at all these different kinds of results, results that are evident, results that are, we have to use our reasoning to see. And when we see this happening in our world, and we feel the need to do something, do that Whatever you're going to do, whether you don't pay your taxes, whether you boycott this or that, when you do it, don't hold anyone in your mind with anger. Don't hold anyone in your mind with, I wish they suffer. You, if that happens, you will hijack. That beautiful intention in your hand is not going to bring about this beautiful result in you. You're not holding on to it anymore. And when you continue to act with that, you will experience, start to experience the world differently. On a personal level, you may be thrown in the middle of war, but by some incredible, miraculous thing that we cannot explain, the war stops while you're there. Because you have transformed yourself into a being where war, at least in your immediate, uh, immediate surrounding, cannot happen. Cannot happen. And you're just one person. Can you imagine if this, if, you, if everyone gets I shouldn't use infected because infected, I use it for the other Infused, inspired, okay, If you're infused with this intention, if you have the aspiration for this, and then you go on and you go in uh, infusing others with that intention. The same way when Instinctively, when someone steps on your toe, the samsaric habit is to step on someone else's toe. There's also another reaction that happens. Even at the level where the person who is behaving may not be aware of, when you act sincerely with love towards someone, the person has no recourse but to react to return it, to return, to uh, react in a similar in, in kind. 
even if you're not aware of it. And I, I, I remember that little boy. Uh, and I said to think about him. How is it that he did something in a world like that? What would be possible for him to live in a world like that? I think because I remember <laughs> he took the teachings of peace literally. He took the teachings of brotherhood of men literally to the point where he got into trouble. We were all brothers. Oh, we're all brothers, okay. So that guy over there is my brother also. <laughs> and then he treated that guy the same way he treated his real brother. His real brother. You know, things like that with strangers? But it says uh, in, in the place that you're forced to go to every Sunday, that <laughs> everybody is your brother. But that's in the book. It's not a real world. And eventually that this seeps in, seeps in, and, you, and, and here it is. You start to have that view, and you create a world that perpetuates that view. So, I ask you, do you, do you sincerely believe in peace? Do you sincerely believe that it's possible? Do you sincerely believe that war can end? Unless you have that level of sincerity, it will be very difficult for you to live in a world where it actually ends. Do we have the capacity now, as a nation, as citizens of this, of, of this, of this planet, to bring an end to war? That is a result. If you can imagine it, it can actually be an actual result. And if it's a result, then it has its appropriate cause. You just have to find the cause. And this is where, this is what you've, you, you, you've heard and listened to many times. It begins with you. It begins with you, and you refuse, under any circumstances, to be further deceived this warped view that somehow if you harm someone the result will be a benefit to you or benefit to the person who will be harming if you refuse to accept that and no matter what is happening around you no matter what is happening inside your own mind even, and then you behave out of the complete opposite no matter what's happening, I'm going to hold on to the view. I'm going to hold on to the intention that suffering may end over there, that happiness be found over there. I'm going to hold on to that intention. And you continue to act out of that, even if it's just words in your mind in the beginning, where you don't have quite the emotion yet, where you have a lot of hesitation. 
and the hesitation is 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 uh, it's reasonable for the hesitation to be there because we've, we've been convincing ourselves of the opposite for so long. So here we are introducing a seeming new conviction to the mind. The mind has to, you know, make you stop and say, what's going on? So we have to cultivate it. And this is probably where a lot of us lose it. We forget that it's a cultivation. It's a cultivation. You don't just decide one day to be like that and you're like that. It begins with, I want to be like that. And then making that want to be stronger and stronger. And by the very energy of this wanting, you start to see yourself acting out of that wanting. You see yourself thinking along the lines of that wanting. Where until someone bumps you in the subway, you really turn around and smile at the person. And you have a sincere concern for their happiness. A sincere concern that they do not suffer. And if that happens to you, and everyone around you doesn't have that intention, they cannot harm you. War cannot be visited upon you. And if you can imagine now, maybe more than one person walking on a, on a planet like that, where they've completely conquered the true enemy, the intention to harm others. And they can truly act out of intention that is completely motivated by that, the wanting others to be happy. And they are convinced of it. Then already we begin the process of ending war in our life. We have to end our participation in war. And our participation isn't necessarily <coughs> just the taxes that you pay. It's not necessarily uh, going to war and holding uh, the weapon. Our participation is those moments of conviction. Sometimes being nice hurts you. That's our participation. We have to refuse to participate. And then hold on to the conviction. And it's a beautiful, uh, again, my quoting is not so good. It's in the Mahabharata. Where, uh, ah, where is it? The one who was, who was, who was, uh, the one who was the embodiment of, of, uh, duty. No, not of duty. Yudhishthir. Yudhishthir. Yes, that's the word. I know this one, you know. <laughs> That's what you have to do, I can remember it. <laughs> can't pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> Where 
he made a, 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 a result that I found it to be very beautiful. And again, I'm not recording exactly. Where it says, even if the king of Dharma refuses to practice Dharma, I will not stop practicing Dharma. So we must have that. We must have that conviction. We have to stop looking around for other people to be to, to have peace for us to initiate the process. We have to stop looking around us for for others to tell us, okay, now it's time. We have to have the conviction. Even if every single person on the planet is bent on war, I will not participate. And believe it or not, you will affect others with that with your determination. Perhaps you will kill you anyway. But your effect will be very lasting. Thousands of years later, people will be at least wondering who was that crazy person. And it will start to think, ah, you're still in trouble. Let me try what he did or what she did. So thousands of years later, after your body is gone, you're still affecting others. So don't for once entertain any measure of conviction that such demonstration of conviction has no beneficial results. And hold on to a conviction that no matter what, it will bring about results. It will affect the world. And the only reason that we continue to behave in a destructive manner is because that's what we are convinced about. That's what we are convinced We are convinced about that, that, that method. And while we were at the dinner, statistics were flowing out, and I couldn't believe my ears by the statistics that I was hearing. Do you know we already have enough power to end world hunger? We already have enough power to end world hunger. And I'm not talking about every single citizen of the planet to participate in it in order for it to happen. On this planet, there's only the means to end to end world hunger. And the number of people who are in hunger, who are suffering from hunger, is staggering. If we were to take a measly portion of what we spend on destroying each other and instead invest it on uplifting each other, it would bring us, it would give us no more reason, at least perceived reason, to go on destroying each other. So it takes a lot of effort, a lot of resources. 
to destroy ourselves in the way we are going. And yet the resources and effort that we require is not that much. You probably don't believe it. Do you know how much conviction you have to go through for you to believe this course of action of war is, is, is to bring about peace? We have minds. They are reasoning machines. You know what kind of walk thinking, what kind of walk reason we have to go through to convince ourselves of that? <coughs> the kind of effort it took to get a mind to believe that? It's a lot of effort. So don't think that all this effort that we put into when someone bumps you in the subway, you have to bump back, is going to overnight go away. We force this upon the mind. We have to bear the consequences of it, of it in during the course of time. So that's where the cultivation comes in. So slowly, we, we inject our mind with the opposite thought until it becomes our actual emotions. It, takes, it will take time. And the only thing that will help you to persevere is, your, is, is that first conviction, cause, effect. Sometimes I, uh, when, I, when I think of cause and effect, I tell the story of Minarepa and one of his students who was amazed at uh, incredible things that Minarepa was doing. And you know, one of the one of the uh, realizations that, that, that the student is supposed to have about his teacher is that his teacher is an actual Buddha. <coughs> and it is the same. I, I think uh, you can find this not only in Buddhism but in many. Uh, what you might call contemplative uh, uh, culture, okay. where you actually believe that the one who's teaching you is the divine itself. Okay. So sometimes you have to go through gymnastics with the mind to get to that. To get to that. You have to be able to hold up that as a measure of conviction for a few seconds. And to try to understand what is it, what is this thing uh, talking about anyway. So this disciple of Mirabeva who believed that suddenly he received yeah, this realization that Mirabeva is a Buddha, told told uh, Mirabeva that you have to be a Buddha. Look at all these incredible things that you're doing. Only some only a Buddha who came here could be could could do what you're doing. And we have a phrase that says, "There's very nice of you." This, uh, okay, of course, I'm quoting. <laughs> There's very nice of you for you to have such level of conviction, but it's sad that it shows that you lack faith in cause and result. You know how I got here? I got here through effort. I put the causes into motion, and this is a result of my efforts. It's not because I was some primordial Buddha. And that's how we were able to display these things. There was a time when I wasn't able to display any of these things. There was a time when I was, you know, I was a murderer. And through applying the conviction and causing results, he was able to get this result. So we had to hold firmly that just your wish for peace is powerful. 
and you have to cultivate it. Cultivate it. Until it completely removes the intention to bring harm to others. And it's possible. Don't think that it's impossible. Okay, you may entertain the thought that it's impossible once in a while. You're cultivated. You're trained. But continue.
if uh, pain is being visited by a person or a group of people with the intention, with, with holding anger in their minds towards that, towards that group or towards that person. And if you see that as wrong, and you feel a sense of a, a, a duty to do something to protect those who suffer, if you take on this anger yourself, how can you bring about a different result than what's been already been presented to you? Uh, Mike, I guess what I'm asking is, some, like when you talk about war, people warring, um, it's very clear. It seems it seems more obvious to me that they have this intention of harming other people. I feel like as a culture, at least where, where I live, people don't see eating animals as they don't, their intention in their mind is not one of anger or mm -hmm. harming. They think that it's natural, this is the food chain, and do you understand yeah. the difference? So mm -hmm. I don't know. And what do you want those people to do? I guess I, I guess I want them to educate themselves and care and have more compassion to make a different choice. And that's what you did? You educated yourself and you did it first? Yeah. And who beat you for you to do that? Who what? Who beat you for you to do that? Who no. forced you to, to do that? No one. So maybe you have to look at that approach. How did you get to that conviction? Did someone scare you? Did someone threaten you? To be honest, I feel like I always had, um, even when I ate animals, before I knew mm -hmm. what the process was, I just always had a connection to animals, and mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of other people, so a lot of people I know do, but a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. So I came to it, nat I feel like I came to it honestly, and naturally. <coughs> Some people don't have that. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? Yes. They came, they came naturally. If that's how it really comes, then just have to wait for them to for what happened to natural mm -hmm. people. If that's how it actually came about, then have patience. It will naturally happen for everybody. Then what's there to be upset about? It happened naturally for you, it will happen naturally for other people. Because I don't think that we're all built the same. Oh, if, they, if, if they're built to, if that's how they're built, then they can help it. If they stop doing that, then, you know, they will. It will do an injure itself because it's not built that way. If when you see someone doing something that you sincerely believe is harmful to them, that's your cue for compassion. It should elicit no other emotion but that. Any other emotion is just participating in the harm. You see someone behaving the way you see them behaving that is harmful to someone else and to themselves, that's your object of compassion. That's the object for which you have compassion for. There's, there's an unfortunate thing about the universe. 
everyone is free. And we can't change that. <laughs> and it is indeed uh, sad to see a group of people suffering. A group of people harming themselves. In whatever way we, we believe uh, that to be have occurred. And this should, you yourself, this should fire you up. Not to be angry, but to make a pact of compassion stronger. It should fire you up. Ah, there must be a being who can actually do something about it. I want to be that here. And take pity on the being who, who right now seems to be not able to do anything except just to observe and watch.
of actual organizations on the planet acting that, out of those beliefs. And, and if anyone can bring about or, or help and, and sustain such organizations, then you're, you're, what you're doing is you're acting to bring about the result war ends in my time. And if you cannot actually go and do something, those are kind of activities, but to support those who are engaged in what really ends war, you are bringing about the cause that brings about the end of war. Uh, how does one cultivate skillfulness uh, in uh, creating the cause to get about the results? And what are some of the, uh, the characteristics of but begin with that conviction, that conviction about causes and the results. Mm-hmm. Begin that way. And when you look at the results that you want, right, and you have to tell, you have to tell yourself, this is the result that I want. And you have to examine the different ways that you're being presented and see which one they will really bring about that result. Really bring about that result. Like for example, uh, if someone, uh, in, if you encounter someone who invite, who, uh, who uh, visits evil upon you, and you visit evil back onto that person, you are being unskillful if your intention wasn't, if your intention was to end the evil. You are being unskillful. But the intention to end people is normal. So you have to say, okay, I really want this result, no more evil. I really want this result, peace. Now, how do I really get it? What are the paths that have been done before that didn't work? I should avoid those. What path, perhaps, is available but no one has tried yet? Let me try that. And then the real result is not the apparent thing that happens while you're doing it. That's not the real result. That's a deceptive result.
Don't stay there saying it's my lesson and then you're complaining. Get out of there, you're destroying yourself.
She's on the right track. 